you didn't even know that, I'm Jared Parsons. I am uh, the other teaching pastor here. Uh, actually, not the only other. Kristen is also another teaching pastor. I always make eye contact to you when I say that. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun for me to be here. Patrick, when he called me this week, that was not a, that was not a problem. I was happy to, to fill in. And I'm excited to talk about conflict this morning. Uh, Patrick gave away, uh, I am an expectant father. Um, July 19th, by the way, is the day that we are hoping that it'll it'll happen. You know, the the first one apparently they like to hang out for a while. Um, but anyways, uh, we're very very excited, and it's very it's a it's a wonderful day for me. Um, happy Father's Day to everybody else uh, as well. So uh, we're talking about conflict this morning, and, and we've talked through two two conflicts so far. Um, and the reason we're doing this is that we all have conflict, right? We all have conflict, and it's good to understand conflict and uh, how how to deal with it. Um, especially for those of us who are conflict avoidant, we still have conflict, right? Uh, so this is good for us. It's good to, to see conflict in the Bible and how it's handled correctly. And so we're, we're going to go into another battle. I, I stuck with the rounds uh, motif. Uh, so we're going to go into another battle. The Sons of Thunder and everybody else uh, is, is this, is this uh, conflict today. It's about two, uh, two disciples, uh, James and John, and the other ten. And we're going to work into their actual conflict, but we're gonna, I'm going to set the stage a little bit in rounds, and we're going to see how this, this conflict develops and what we can learn from it. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about passive aggression this morning, uh, which is uh, everyone's favorite form of conflict, right? Um, so that's, that's where we're going this morning. And, and uh, we're also going to talk about validation. I don't know if anyone else struggles with validation, with wanting and seeking validation. Um, but that's where we're going this morning. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive right into to the rounds um, and, and just get, get started. So God, thank you so much for this morning that we get to, to be here together to worship you, uh, to think about your name, the power of your name. That, that is the, what a special meditation we got, God, to, to think about your name. And Jesus, as we look at you this morning, as we look at how you dealt with, with conflict and, and what you offer us in return, I pray that um, we would follow that and that we would receive that and that you would be glorified through that. Thank you for this time this morning, God. Your name, amen. Okay, so um, backstory, a big, big picture story, right? Jesus shows up on the earth and he starts a mission. He starts a, a, a three-year mission and what he decides to do is he's gonna grab 12 people to be on his team. So he wants, he wants 12 people on his team and what he chooses, none of us, no, no one would choose the team he chose. He wanted to start this, amazing spiritual movement and he chose no spiritual professionals he didn't choose a pastor he didn't choose a priest he didn't choose any he, he chose just 12 dudes uh, is the best way i could summarize this of all different walks of life extremely there, there is a guy you know i i like thinking about uh some of the pairings he would pair him up and send him out on missionary journeys and some of the pairings i just think are, are funny like there's a guy matthew was a tax collector right who worked for the roman government there's another guy on the team whose name was Simon the Zealot, who's, he had devoted his life to tearing down the Roman government. So I wonder, like, what was that like, you know? So he, he assembled this, uh, this team, and, and, I, and I think of another term that was used for Abraham's, uh, Abraham Lincoln's cabinet, the team of rivals. That's Jesus' disciples. He chose a team of rivals. And uh, among them were uh, James and John. They were young fishermen, uh, mo most likely somewhat of a, a, a wealthier family, um, but they are very, very young. Most people think that they are around 11 and 12 years old. So you've got an 11 and a 12, that, isn't that wild? If you're like, I'm going to go start a missionary journey, I'm going to grab a couple of middle schoolers, you know. Um, they're, they're, by the way, you see these names here? Uh, these are star students. 
uh, nominees on, on the side of your, your chairs. I am one of them, actually, chair. Um, but that's, you know, imagine, like, as good as those star students are, you're still not picking Jared or Lee on your team, right? But he, he, he picked James and John, and Peter, all, all the way to Peter, Peter was 36 years old. So he, he picked this, this team of, of ages and different backgrounds, and James and John were one of them, and just like a couple of uh, young kids, right, they overreacted and, uh, had, yeah, they had bad reactions to most, most things, and, and they got their, their name Sons of Thunder because one time this one town, like, wasn't that excited about Jesus, and they're like, what if we just, like, destroyed it? <laughs> what if you just called down fire and we just roasted it? And that's how they got their name, the Sons of Thunder, because they're like, that's, that's crazy. So Sons of Thunder, that's their, that's their moniker. And uh, the, the first round we get of their conflict with the other 12. So, so they, they fought some. We, we know that they fought some. But kind of one, one of their bigger fights is what we're going to look at this morning. And, and there's some buildup to it. So round one, this comes from Matthew 18, verse 1. But also uh, Mark 9 is, is a good parallel for this. I'm actually going to read the Mark 9 version. So Mark 9 and 10 parallel really, really well Matthew 18 through 20. If you're ever interested, those, those chapters line up pretty, pretty well. Um, so Mark 9, 33, 34, uh, and this is after they had journeyed all, Jesus and his 12 had journeyed to a place called Capernaum, uh, and Jesus says, and they'd come to Capernaum, the Bible says, and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Verse 34, but they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. I love this, this scene. It, it, it's one little verse. But, you know, they're, they're walking, and, and I'm guessing that they're having one of those fights that you, like, when you're in it, you're not sure if any, like, no one else is there. So they didn't know that Jesus heard them fighting, right? They, they thought that they were arguing away from him, but which one of them was the greatest? Now, Jesus is no dummy. He knows that something was happening. And then I love that when he asks, just like, you know, children, like, caught in trouble, they went silent, right? They're like, oh, uh, nothing. We were talking about nothing. I, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, because they, they went silent because they knew it was the wrong thing to argue about. <laughs> Who was the greatest? Seeking validation leads to unhealthy confrontation. That's our first lesson from this first round. They were arguing the way. Why? Because they wanted validation. They wanted to be validated as the greatest, right? Wouldn't you love to hear out of the mouth of God, you are the greatest. Wouldn't that be great? Some, you know, maybe not even God. Maybe just someone, someone on this planet with no hint of irony says to you, you are the greatest, period. You know, I don't, of whatever. You know, we're, we're talking about like the goat for basketball, you know, is Michael Jordan. The goat for football is Tom Brady. But what if there was like no for anything? It was just like Jared Parsons, you are the greatest. That's what they wanted to hear from Jesus. I, they knew that Jesus was going to usher in. He, he kept talking about a kingdom, this wonderful big kingdom. He, they wanted to hear from the king, you are the greatest. But they knew that wasn't the right thing to argue about it. But they still argued about it. Isn't that fascinating? Validation, seeking validation, leads us to an unhealthy con confrontation, right? Because if, if I want validation and someone else in the room wants validation, uh-oh, Already, we've got, we've got a little bit of a problem. Someone else in the group has, wants validation. We've got a problem. And then you, 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 you slap 12 guys together, and everyone wants validation. And you're going to have unhealthy confrontation, fighting. 
Um, I, I've got this wild story. I don't know if I've shared this before. I'm getting old, so I can't remember the stories I, I shared from the, the pulpit. But um, when I was 18, uh, I, I wanted to go into ministry. I, I didn't know that I was eventually going to go into college ministry. I thought I was going to be a youth pastor, um, which is an age slightly younger, but for whatever reason is just unreasonable to me now. Like, I can only do 18 to 22-year-olds, but 15 through 18, I got a lot of respect for you and you. Um, thank, thank you for what you do. Uh, they middle school and high school. But I, I thought I was going to be a youth pastor. So I went to this like youth pastor college university kind of thing where I was going to get trained. And I, I first visited once and I thought I kind of liked it. So I told my pastor like, hey, I think I might be interested. And they're like, oh, actually, this, what this college is doing is a national uh, competition for a free ride to this school. National competition for a free ride, and what you do is you show up to this, this college campus for a weekend, and they call it Christian Leadership Weekend, and the best Christian leader of all of these youth group all-star kids gets the full ride. I'm sure this is going to go great. So I arrived, and I didn't even, like, you know, I'm not that, I'm kind of absent-minded, so I, I wore, like, like, a t-shirt and jeans, you know, to this this weekend everyone's dressed up to the nines I, I like I stand out like a sore thumb right like this is this is the kid who's not prepared there's 400 of us and they, we did all these like exercises where we're trying to prove like the best Christian leader we did the human knot thing you guys ever done that where you uh, stand in a circle and then you grab two people's hands that aren't yours and they're not <laughs> next to you and then you have to like untangle yourself and that lasts like an hour and a half of like Christian passive-aggressive arguing, right? Like, like, well, you know, my pastors told me that I'm pretty gifted at leadership. I'm like, yeah, no, duh. That's why we're all here. So, you know, we're all listening to each other. And, and what I did is I, I went silent, actually. I, like, just, like, followed what other people told me. And then uh, we had, like, a, an essay portion where I just straight up said, this is weird, like, in the essay. I said it in the interview, and I got it. I got the scholarship. I was like, this is like a pretty dangerous Willy Wonka situation. You're like, you're like setting these kids up for like, you know, all kinds of shame and failure for the rest of your life. I ended up not going to that school, by the way. Uh, after they offered it to me, I was like, uh, it was too weird. But um, seeking validation leads to unhealthy confrontation, right? If everyone in the room wants other people to notice them and for them to feel value, it's going to lead to confrontation in an unhealthy way because we're going to seek to tear each other down. I'll get there in a little bit. Validation, by the way, is um, finding our ultimate value in what someone says about us. Finding our ultimate value in what someone says about us. I should have said that definition earlier. That's what, that's what we're looking for. So that's what they did. They argued on the way, and uh, they went silent. And I don't think anyone really answered Jesus. He's just like, just so you know, the greatest among you will serve all. That's what you're, what you're really interested in. And we'll get to that more in a second. So before we get to, to round two, we've got a couple of setups before, before we get to the, to the next battle. And I, and I love these stories. They're, they're in Matthew 20. They're right before our, our, our main text. And one of them is a parable that I'm sure just drove the disciples wild. It's a parable called the laborers in the vineyard. And it's this parable where uh, Jesus, he shares that in, in his kingdom, some people, it's going to be like when, if someone hires someone at 9 a.m to work in the vineyard. And they come and they work in the vineyard at 9 a.m. And then the, 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 the king realizes, actually, I need some more. And he hires some people at noon. And he does this three more times, or two more times, I think, uh, at three and at six. And 
at the end of the parable, the point is, everyone from who started at nine and who started at six gets paid the same. And if you're thinking, I got chose early. I'm the 9 a.m. guy, right? That's, that's who we are. We're the 12. You set us aside. You're telling me that the people you, you passed over, they're going to get paid the same as me? I'm, I'd be livid. And so they're, they're probably talking, you know, to, to each other. And spoilers, some of them are talking to their mother. Uh, we'll get there in a second. But they're, they're talking to each other about what, what does that even mean? And then to confuse things even a, a little bit further, though, and, and this, this is so subtle, and I didn't pick this up without a really smart commentary person. The, the next uh, thing, one of the next things that Jesus says right before we get uh, our story is that Jesus says he's going to go to Jerusalem. And he's going to die, and on the third day he's going to be raised again, and that's where he's going to start his kingdom. Now, Jerusalem is the holy city. It's, it's the city for the 12 of them. And Jesus is saying he's about to conquer death there. And he's talking about this kingdom. And we're, we're on our way there. And you've just been told everyone's going to get paid the same, but also his kingdom's going to be ushered in. You might be thinking, now's the time. Now's the time to try to separate myself from everybody else. This is the time. We're about to go to Jerusalem. This is the time to elevate myself. Because maybe I'll work so well or I'll be loved so much that I'll be one of those 9 a.m.s that gets paid a little bit more than the 12. Maybe that's happening. And that's where we pick up round two. Mama gets involved. I love this story. I love it so much. Uh, it's from Matthew 20, and I'm going to read 20 through, through 23, and we're going to keep, keep going through the text. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder, uh, came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. So before we ever get to Jesus' response, it is so fascinating that their mother gets involved, right? That it's the mother. And what I love about this is that she's like just a great, you know, like bear mommy. She doesn't, it says she asks, but she commands. She commands Jesus, say, say to them, that my sons will sit at your right and your left. Now, I, I've, I'm an only child, so I don't know um, this dynamic, but my, my wife's family, they do this. I wonder if James and John also within themselves are arguing who gets the right and left, because right was more power. So I wonder, after, you know, after that request was handled, how are they gonna handle the, you know, the James and John fight? I don't know. But this, this, is, this is where mom gets involved, and this was, uh, this was kind of a shameful thing, James and John probably should have handled this themselves. I'm sure they took a ton of crap from it from the, from the older guys. Like, oh, you got mom involved? You want, you know, should I go get my mommy? You know, like this, this, this is a little embarrassing for them. Um, but the, the lesson here, what, and what I love about this is, is, is it, what this clearly communicates is that James and John were so concerned that they asked their mom to step in. Now, seeking validation can pull the wrong people into the confrontation. That's our next point. Seeking validation can pull the wrong people 
into conversation, right? We see this in, in workplaces, you know, where we vent and we talk to other people, but, but you know, you, you, you vent to some people who are kind of like fixers. You know, they just want to like fix your problems. They're a little bit of your, your yes men. So, you know, then all of a sudden in the staff meeting, you're like, ooh, I wish, that, that was just my conflict. I wish my friend hadn't said anything, right? Now all of a sudden someone else is someone else in the picture. Mom's in the picture and she had no business being in that conflict. This is what happens, right? When you, when you want validation is that you start gossiping and talking behind backs and, you know, hey, man, are, are you on my side? Are you on my side? You know, and, and they're like, yeah. But then all of a sudden they're like in the conflict too. And you're like, oops, I did not mean to make this really big. You know, I like, I think of um, certain family squabbles. I don't know if anyone's had a fight within their family or ever. No, just me. Um, you know, where you kind of like, I, I had to play house whip one time where I had to like convince people to like be on my side when we finally came up. And that's just like super unhealthy. Um, and I did that, why? Because I want validation from everybody to say, you know, I want everyone to, to, to think well of me. For them to think that I'm perfect and, I, and I'm on the right side. And that's what James and John did themselves. If you, if you seek validation from people, you will pull other people into this unhealthy conflict. Round three. So. Jesus says, he says some, some really amazing things that I wish I could uh, dissect a little bit more. He says, you know, are, they, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And he means the full wrath of God. And they're like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. Um, and then he, but he doesn't deny them, actually. He says, to sit at my right and my left is not for me to choose. Oh, boy. It brings us to round three. Unhealthy comp, uh, comp Confrontation, part deux. Did I say that right? Anyone speak French? Deux. Um, passive aggression. This is where we get to the passive aggression. So verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. But this is, I, when you hear the request, it's just fascinating to think that this request was made in front of the other ten. Right? Imagine being the other ten and, you know, mommy gets involved and you're like, oh, come on, that's so pathetic. And then he doesn't deny it. And you're so mad. Why, why are they mad? And, and there's this little, the, the little phrase, and it says he called them to him, which means that they were getting mad around each other, but not necessarily around Jesus. They were doing the thing where they're kind of fighting at a little bit of distance from Jesus, but he knows what's happening. They were so mad. Seeking validation can lead then into passive aggression, right? Not necessarily confronting people straight on, but, but confronting them in front of other people, you know? Um, I think of a basketball team or, or tryouts that I've, that I've been on, right, where, yeah, I don't know, if you, you've all been through tryout season where you know, you're both trying out for the same position, and you do that, like, hey, man, you're so good. Like, that, you're, you're so good at that. Like, I can't believe, like, that. But, yeah, I just, you know, and then you, like, slide in, like, but I just hope that you know, I can maybe shoot a little bit better than you next round. Or, you know, like whatever it is, like you can kind of do like this passive little little confrontation or like backhanded compliments, you know, you might give someone like, wow, you're actually really smart. 
Um, you, you can do passive aggressive stuff like that, you know, and that's, that's what happens when you want validation, right? Because all of a sudden you, you want the validation of the person in front of you, but you also want the validation of the authority figure. So you're like at an at a interesting crossroads of how do I tear this person down while also being nice. I'm from Nebraska. Our state motto is literally nice, like it's Nebraska, nice. We are, we are the, the, the most passive aggressive, you know, we're known for the word ope. Uh, oop, sorry, I didn't mean to, to bump you there. You know, I still do it on the subway too. <laughs> like, oop, let me just squeeze by you. Um, but a passive aggressive, is, it comes out of this desire uh, for validation. Um, and w- this happens a lot now. I, I say this a lot, actually. Uh, I'm gonna teach you uh, a combat move, uh, a combat move for the new age. Uh, this, is, this is the new combat move that you can use on, on emails. Um, this is the most passive aggressive thing you can do, right? Oh, when you get to do it, though, it's so satisfying. You know, like you actually get to say, for my last email. Um, but why do, why do we do stuff like that, right? It's because we don't want to look stupid in front of someone. So instead of just repeating the information that, could, that would help the same way, I want to prove that I did the right thing. So as per my last email, I already said this, right? It's because we want everyone's validation. We want their approval. And, and this, this, it's a, it's a dead, this validation conflict cycle, it's, it's a trap, right? It pulls you in and it traps you because you're always, always comparing yourself to new people and wanting new people's validation. But at the same time, you like want their validation, but you get it by looking better than other people. Boy, that's tricky. And there's got to be a way out of this validation trap. And that leads us to Jesus's response. Um, round four is his response of verse 24. Um, it says that when they, you know, I'll, I'll just reread these verses. When the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Let me pause for just a second on that, right? Jesus says, this is how the world works, is constant validation seeking. And how the world does it, right, to, to, to lord authority. And, and I think I've, I've spoken on this passage so many times because it's so um, key to my story, right? My, my, my little Christian leader story, uh, the, the one who wanted to prove himself. I love that, that this, is, this is accurate, that the, the, the rulers lord it over them. And that means to keep people down. Once you have your authority, you make sure no one ever gets to your, gets to your position again. No one confuses you with anybody else. No one on your team, no one underneath you, you are the best at this thing. And the great ones exercise authority, and that means to actively tear people down. And someone else even described, there's kind of an implied also, you, you tear people down as you pull yourself up. This idea. You, you know, we're, we as a species, we've always been bad at this. We're not very good at plussing something without tearing something else down, right? It's not, I don't like this show, it's I like this show because it's it's a better version of this show <laughs> i don't just like this book i like it because it's better than that or this person or whatever we we're, we're not very good at you know I, I like this party because this one's bad or whatever it is we're not very good at valuing things we tear things down to raise something up and we do this with ourselves and maybe we, you know i'm from nebraska nice maybe we don't do this out loud <laughs> but oh man in my mind i you know I'm constantly thinking, but I, I wish I would have gotten that award, that recognition, that respect. 
That still, that still counts, by the way. That stuff in your heart, that still counts. He says, this is how the world works. Why? Why does the world work this way? One of the major things that we broke at the garden, one of the biggest things was the unending eternal validation of our Heavenly Father. A perfect relationship where we were perfectly known as we were, known and loved for who we were. When we broke that, when we said we want to do things differently, we don't trust you, we begin to look to ourselves for that validation. It's no longer good enough that God said it. I have to prove myself worthy of his love, of anybody's love. That's, that was one of the major things we broke. And so this, this, is, this is thousands of years old. This wasn't just a problem at that day. This isn't a problem just now. This is a human problem. How does Jesus say to get out of it? Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. One thing that's fascinating is that Jesus in this passage, he doesn't discourage greatness. He actually doesn't discourage it. Sometimes, I, I, you know, I, it's easy to see this and say that he's, he's anti-greatness. <laughs> he doesn't discourage it. He just redefines it. What does it mean to be great? Must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. So servant there, there's the two different words that are used. Servant means someone who, who uh, is, is a servant of a master. You intentionally say there, there's, a, there's a master. I'm, I'm going to serve each other. And that slave is, is a fascinating old Greek word that means to, it's a bondservant, but it's in a volitionary bondservant. It's someone who says, I'm going, to, I'm going to give up all of my rights for this person. And he's saying, of all. That's greatness, is what he's saying. And then he, he goes a, a, a step further. And says, even as the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man, I, I might have mentioned this before. The Son of Man, that title doesn't just mean a human, human dude. <laughs> that was a title that Daniel talked about in Daniel 7 that was going to be given to the king of all kings, the ruler eternal, the one who has all dominion and authority. This king came not to be served, but to serve. If anybody could be served, should be served, it's the Son of Man. Nope. Jesus is saying, that's not what I came to do. I came to serve. He reuses that, that slave of all word and give his life as a ransom for many. This is how the king's kingdom works. How Jesus works is instead of seeking validation for himself, he puts value on everybody else. That ransom means that he put immense value on our lives. His blood is the most precious resource the universe has ever known and ever will know. And he spilt it for us. Jesus didn't come seeking validation. He, say, he came to value everyone else, to give value, to validate everyone else. And then he includes us in this. He says, you can join me in this. There's a phrase that, that Tim Keller uses. I really love it. It's called blessed self-forgetfulness. If you want out of the trap of seeking validation, blessed self-forgetfulness. 
It's about thinking, it's not, you know, the, the humility phrase, it's not about thinking less of yourself, it's about thinking of yourself less. Jesus has put a ransom on my life. I don't need anybody else's validation. I was worth, in Jesus' eyes, despite all of my flaws, I was worth his blood. And now, I don't have to think about myself as much. And now I don't have to work like the world works by tearing other people down to elevate myself. Actually, my, this kingdom will work by lifting everybody else up. How can I value other people, right? In that email chain, how, what if I gave affirmation as opposed to as per my last email? What if I gave someone, wow, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you're, that you're, you're asking that question again. It seems that you, that you really care. I'm glad you care about this project. This is the information again, right? It's not about me. He's offering us the, the, this road, and, and the verse that Katie read earlier, I, I love uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, how, how Paul views ministry. He views it as a mercy of God. Giving his life, ministry means to give his life away, and, it, and so he views it as mercy, that God is sparing him something worse. Isn't that, isn't that odd? He views suffering for Jesus as God sparing him from something worse. This is mercy. He gets to be in the kingdom. He gets to serve. And that, that verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants. And I love this, for Jesus' sake. Why is it for Jesus' sake? Isn't that interesting? He, he, he wants to serve, but it's for Jesus' sake. Why? Because Jesus himself wants to value these people. Jesus loves these people. He values them. He values your coworkers, your family members. All the people that you know, he, he values them. And so Paul's like, I get to be a servant. That's what I am. So, and I'm joining Jesus in his work of validating and valuing you. This is the way out of the validation trap and the way out of passive aggression. When you seek to value and validate others, it actually allows you to have healthy conflict. You might be able to, you know, it, since, since you're not dancing around stuff, you might be able to say, hey, I noticed that you're pretty mad at me what did I do, right? As opposed to, you know, kind of like wishy-washy dancing around it. Hey, what's actually going on? What have I done? You know, and then because Jesus already forgiven you, you don't have to be like defensive about it. You're like, oh yeah, you're right. I did do that. I'm sorry. It gives you freedom. This way of self-forgetfulness, of valuing and validating others is the way out of this validation trap and leads you to healthy conflict. You can address things head on without your ego in the way. Now, friends, I'm saying this to you, and I love this passage, and I've been looking at this passage for a decade, but um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> this is a work of Jesus, and what I love about this, this, the idea of Jesus giving his life as a ransom for many is that he also promises to walk with us as he does that. It's him working in me in this conflict. It's him working through me. It's, it's his... Uh, Philippians 2 even says it's have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, uh, this, this humble mind. He's the one who gives it to us. And so hopefully you're, you're not hearing out of the, you know, and, I, and I've said this before about this conflict series, is that, again, I'm not a professional uh, licensed counselor, um, and I'm not perfect at this. And you don't do this without a constant relationship with Jesus. You're going to have to say sorry a lot as a human. You're going to have to apologize, but you're also going to see a lot of things move. And, and I, my, my wife is, is at home sleeping because she's eight months pregnant and exhausted. Um, 
But if she was here, you know, one of the things, the nicest things she's ever said in front of other people and, and another person actually said is how, how much I've changed in the last 10 years. And, and, I, and I say that to you, not as a, oh, look at me kind of thing, because that kind of, you're like, that looks like validation. Um, <laughs> but it's proof of Jesus's work because I wasn't actually trying to get better at conflict. I was being constantly humbled and learning about the mercy and grace of Jesus. That's what freed me to stop being such a bull. <laughs> as, we, as we really trust this, the, the Son of Man who, who gave his life as a ransom for many, as we do that, as we understand what that ransom means, we can begin to value and validate others. And that's what we want to do. We want to get out of the, the passive-aggressive traps. We want to get out of the, the desire to constantly seek validation. And that's what I'm hoping for us this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a second to, to just, I, I like giving like a minute of silence that you can maybe take one thing, just one thing, what's one thing you want to you take and, and reflect on that and then the band will close us in prayer. So I'll, I'll give you, or I'll close us in song. I'll close us in prayer. They'll close in song. Um, so I'll give you a minute to, to reflect on, on this, this passage. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. And despite we are, the fact that we are people who seek validation in the wrong place, you still came and showed goodness to us, showed us mercy and grace. You loved us. You valued us. You came to serve, and you gave your, your blood on the cross. Thank you. Thank you that you offer us a new way of living. Well, we're, we're not seeking and, and looking to elevate ourselves above everyone else, but we're looking to value other people. What a better way to live, God, and would you help us to do that? Um, thank you that you are patient with us, that even when we fail in these things, you're, you still walk with us. You've still given your ransom. You still love us, and you're, you're continually with us. So God, would you be with us this week and help us to um, rest and trust in your value, your validation, and that we would value others well this week, God. Thank you for this time. Your name.